0: Oh, it's actually
1: doing stuff now. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know, right? Oh, it's we can talk about. Right. about
1: Your mom's it's, a JJ. Uh,
0: homosexual <laughs> issues are relevant. Cause okay, of, like a, the whole publicized bullshit with Russia, and I mean we still face.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Has anybody actually been watching the Olympics? No. Nope. Yeah, I watched.
0: I,
2: I, I was, I was watched going to, night, I,
0: but I did watch Thursday night.
2: So I was going I to, but night. I
0: decided
1: to, you
2: know, <laughs> keep on living.
1: No, I, I I well, I was eating uh, a dinner Thursday night. I tuned in, and it started off with what was it slope snowboarding or something like that? It looked like snowboarding with an obstacle course, and I was just like, "Well, this is boring." Yeah, that <laughs> slope style. Yeah, I was just like, so I watched that, and then I went to men's figure skating. They were doing a, a team. A component of it, or something like that. Yeah, I've seen
3: it. Yeah, I watched Blades of Glory.
0: <laughs> well, oh. I wa- I watched the preliminary rounds, and the Russian team was really, really good. There was this guy; he had the, probably the goofiest fucking haircut I've seen in a while. But he had the <laughs> sides of his head shaved off, so it was like a mullet. That <laughs> long, and then on top, and he. But he was in what appeared to be like a imperial uniform, like military uniform, but maybe it signified that he was supposed to be royal as well. Okay, and uh he was a big motherfucker and he had this tiny girl with him <laughs> and he tossed her in the air and she did like uh not a 360 wait 360 times 3 1080 like <coughs> ten, ten yeah she, oh, wow. she did a 1080 and and he caught her in motion like uh, <laughs> while he was skating sideways i was really impressed by that
1: yeah sometimes the uh, skating is pretty impressive there was a. Uh, um I watched what was it? Okay, so the thing I was watching was it was sort of a team thing where they had different categories, and so like if a, a, I don't know a U.S. man wins the men's individual thing, they get ten points, and Canada if they came in second, they would get eight, and so on and so forth. So it was like the first category of that, and they had the men going, and some Russian dude who's been in the Olympics like three times 21 oh, year old, yeah. Yeah, he he fucking rocked it, and then the American followed and fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he jumped to do a little spin and landed on his knee and kind of slid into the. There's been um, a couple of
2: injuries <laughs> like, uh, like I believe like a couple like a um, uh, the U.S. women's team uh, like a, I think a skier uh, like on a practice run tore ACL on one of her knees. And, and Sean
0: White had to back out of that snow. Yeah, because it's that, dangerous. Uh, uh, c- the snow or slope style. Mm-hmm. He had to back out because he well basically he ate shit in <laughs> one of the practice runs on the slopes there he went off one of the airs yeah and just didn't get any air instead went like chest and <laughs> head straight to the ground i
1: saw some of the women uh, one of the women do that that would just look fucking painful because you're kind of yeah. just hanging in there and kind of flailing a little bit and i uh, like yeah.
2: a, i think you know, maybe it was a different one it might have been the same one but uh like uh they injured themselves on the practice runs. They, We'll be able to do do anything in the Olympics, but they were you know, they still planned to march last night in the you know, yeah. opening ceremonies.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know, but yeah. So I watched the figure skating, and then it went back to slope, but for the men. I'll probably and tune I, in for the, <laughs> I probably turned <laughs> it
4: off.
2: I probably tuned into like the gold medal hockey game because oh, like... you okay. <laughs> oh, you well,
0: cause would. You would, it, because it's almost Hockey's like he's the only sport that matters in the Winter Olympics. <laughs> Everything else is just so stupid. I sound like a bro right now? <laughs> So well, I'm like, like I mean, you know, the, the, individual, uh, you
2: know, uh, the individual, you know, the individual, things, you know, it's kind of cool, but like in general, I, I kind of prefer, prefer, like, you know, stuff like, uh, figure skating is fine, because, you know, like, there's the routines, but, you know, it's, it feels like, you know, uh, kind of disjointed to watch, like, the individual events, you know, as great as those people are, it's... What
0: about speed skating? Yeah, speed skating is fun, too, you like... got uh, men in skin-tight outfits.
1: Come not on. just men. <laughs> oh, they, they do women's too? Yeah. No. It's like, it's like a movie. movie. I, only go, I only watch for the men's
0: because I like them in this game tight outfits. I just think uh, ho- hockey is interesting
2: because, uh, you know, that gold medal game, it's almost like, you know, playoff hockey, and playoff hockey is usually pretty fun to watch, and I'm a guy who doesn't really mm-hmm. give a shit about hockey that much.
1: Yeah. Well, um, well uh, that was yeah. the Olympics thing. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Talking about being odd. All right, you
3: well, asked me. Anyways, I know, I know. Anyways, that. this is... We're recording this on February eighth.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I wanted to give a happy belated birthday to Mr. Andrew Crowley who celebrated his twenty fifth birthday yesterday.
0: That's right. Happy birthday, buddy. You're and old. Happy birthday, sir. You're old. It's
2: all down here from here. It's all downhill from here, babes. Says so your English. Yep.
1: You're gonna die this much sooner. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Challenge accepted. Well, yeah. At least you got free
0: beer before you're gonna go out. <laughs> Anyways,
3: yeah, I'm. I'm I'm just gonna hit the the pause button and go to titles and.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. Hit the button. the Olympics? That's
0: what I'm talking about, bro. Fucking are yeah. so stupid. Nobody
1: cares about what are you wearing right now? <laughs> my pajama pants. And you
3: want to know why? I got a legitimate reason. No, I, I meant the Adidas hoodie and the Adidas. Adidas hat.
0: Oh, that's because it was
4: cold outside. <laughs> and they sponsored the NBA. What, what was I supposed to wear? <laughs> I'm wearing an Adidas. He is wearing it. Uh, wearing... <laughs> no.
0: I uh, wore my pajama Adidas. pants. I was thinking about this. Kevin Smith more than likely does not wear pants when he records his podcast (laughs) because he's sitting at home (laughs) right and he doesn't I mean he's he's noted that he or he said that he doesn't like to wear pants Mm -hmm. so he's pretty successful way more successful than we are right so I think that one of us needs to start not wearing pants when we record these podcasts see if that'll bring us some more success Mm -hmm. possibly maybe (laughs) I
3: don't know (laughs) hell are you stoned oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> That's why you're wearing <laughs> a pants. That explains I, everything. Yeah. No, I could have put on.
0: Actually, I took the time to put on long johns and everything because it was cold outside. But I could have. Gondor on, like, has so no pants.
2: Gondor needs no pants.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, the uh, uh, the the reason I can't really watch a lot of the Olympics is the bullshit, like uh, uh, human interest crap they stick in between stuff. Oh. Uh, it, it's all so obviously manufactured. <laughs> That it really just makes me roll my eyes and wants them to move along. I know this is pre-recorded. This isn't live. You can just show everything. You don't have to feed me bullshit. I'm interested already.
2: <laughs> I think what I find overwhelming about the Winter Olympics uh, or the Olympics in general is like there's just so much stuff going on.
1: <laughs> what? The f- why are we back on the Olympics? <laughs> it's
2: a brief aside. It's talking about. It's kind news time. It's timely. But just uh, over what I mean. Historical. I had an okay time, like with Sports the Summer Olympics in 2012. You know, just tuning in randomly, you know, for different stuff. It was, it was, you know, kind of fun to watch. But it's mm-hmm. in general, I have a hard time if I don't really have like you know, a horse in the race to really care.
0: Mm. Horse racing. I learned all about horse racing. I mean, because I'm not day. just uh, gonna root for
2: Merka, because you know, right, it's like <laughs> I, Then I'll be, you know, uh, talking about the, how these colors don't run and drinking Budweiser and uh, running over commies in my pickup truck. <laughs> That's one I don't like about like the, the the media has like this really anti uh, Russia rhetoric. Or, what are we back in the fucking Cold War? Uh, and uh, Ivan Drago is gonna punch out Rocky.
1: Yeah, during the NBC broadcast on Thursday, they uh, uh, they specifically took time out to talk to experts about Russia and their controversy and about it's like I it's don't like, know uh,
2: our our country's not so hot either. Uh, and we'll talk about some of the stuff with the gay rights in uh, the U.S. Uh, but you know mm-hmm. we have crappy water, like you know. Do the fracking and shit. I mean, so you know.
3: <laughs> I, I'm sorry. When I think of frac, yeah, yeah, fracking, I
2: think of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, that's uh,
3: a. They don't think about oil. The
2: oil, oil, oil companies are
0: basically the Cylons.
1: That's why it turned into a, a curse word. Uh, <laughs> it's a really bad
0: practice. Yeah, that's why. Gotcha. Well, on Sunday, you can be out. watching the Olympics, or NBC for that matter. We'll be watching something on CBS.
2: Maybe we'll, well do I hope I'm going the half pipe competition during the half pipe competition, if you know what I'm saying.
3: <laughs> the
0: Beatles are going to be airing their 50th anniversary, uh, the tribute to the Beatles for the 50th anniversary of their appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. And since there's only two <laughs> Beatles, apparently I'm not free to move my head when I speak. You know,
1: he, 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 he wants this up. He... <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I what did you think we were doing? I don't know why you were just.
1: gesturing towards you, gesturing at that, to go like. Just, we were both doing it. <laughs> okay, why didn't you
0: say, hey, Chance, why don't you raise that mic? Because clearly it wasn't working. But, anyways. Jeez. That's why we give you the extended arm that way, anyway. We know how you That'd move around. Ill.
3: You know how you move around. You can bring it closer. That way you can... Can talk about Paul McCartney? Hold on. Hold on.
0: Can talk about Paul McCartney? Why? He's dead.
3: This allows you to turn, talk to people, step away. If you wanted to lean back, you could. Let me talk to you
0: for a second. (laughs) That's why I give you the extendo (laughs) mic stand. Don't interrupt me when I'm talking
1: about Paul McCartney. Uh, Oh, fuck.
0: Revealed. Well, now you guys ruined it. Fucking <laughs> <and> Beatles. We're
1: gonna be having the anniversary
0: of appearing on the Ed Sullivan show Sunday at eight. Is it, I think it's eight PM?
3: Thanks, Root checking facts oh, this doesn't you matter you're not going <laughs> to listen until <Okay>. like
1: June <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm kidding
3: no it'll be up tomorrow for the 50th anniversary thank you sir <laughs> I, know, I don't know
0: any of the other artists that are going to be joining them like they have Rigo, yeah, Rigo and Paul but I mean I, I believe
2: uh, like, uh, it be might, be might be a different concert but I know that Al Jardine from the Beach Boys was involved oh. uh, in, yeah. and he's a little dude uh, who you might know him uh, saying his first lead was uh, Help Me Rhonda
0: Oh, yeah, okay. Um, they've also been... Uh, David Letterman did the whole this whole week. He had a tribute to the Beatles, and he had every musical guest came on and played a Beatles cover. Oh, nice. Because really uh,
2: cool. Letterman films at the Ed Sullivan Theater, yeah, which is yeah, where... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. They had... I know they had Lenny Kravitz. They had Sean Lennon and... The, the Fleming Lips, Lips. They did Losing the Sky with Diamonds. And who else was on there?
3: So is Sean Lennon actually going to be a part of Sundays? I don't know. I hope so. I mean, I he, hope was, so too. he was
0: singing with the Flaming Lips is what he was doing. Mm. And I think he... I feel like he might want to be there. If he was, wanted to be involved in that, I figure he probably would want to be involved in mm. something bigger, too.
1: Excuse
3: me for that.
1: We're, we're sneezing? Yeah. Okay.
0: I don't know if it even got
3: picked up, but... Now they know. And that fat podcast producer
2: who everyone liked grew up to be David West, the Sneezer. And now you know... The rest of the story.
0: Well, there's okay. something else about the Beatles that we haven't talked about yet. Something that we learned. When? When was that? What? What month was that? C two two in last year, October, right? No, April. 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 October. Yeah, we've been sitting <laughs> on this. <laughs>
3: no. No, April. So we've been sitting on it for fucking ten months.
0: Okay. So this guy Vivek Tuari, wrote a book called The Fifth Beetle. It's brilliant. Actually,
2: I, Andrew, you should tell them what you
0: think of it first. You you're, of, first. of us, you are probably
1: well. We should fan.
0: say we'll save the best for last.
1: We should probably further define. Okay, it's called the Fifth Beetle, and it's about Brian Epstein. It's, it's yeah. essentially the first sort of. I don't know. Uh, it seems as if not like a lot of people sort of ignore Brian Epstein. If I'm it, it, so, this is sort of the first sort of in-depth look at his life and who that man was and how he helped build the Beatles. Um. So, yeah, that's what the 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 book is about. And, and the interesting thing is that it, it's not like a book book. It's not just words. Um, it, it, he they produced it in a very nice looking graphic novel. I think it was Dark Horse that put it out, and it's got it, fantastic it friggin' art by Andrew Robinson. This is the first time I've ever seen this guy actually do anything, and it's amazing. And in all honestly, the best part of the book, in my opinion. I mean, this guy is just fantastic. I mean, just like opening up to, yeah, it's the first page and seeing that uh, sort of establishing shot of Liverpool. Yeah. It's such a great way of introducing it. Like, it it's just it looks like it's dripping with water and Liverpool is being washed away by the rain. And it just, yeah, th- this is amazing, amazing art. The only thing that detracts from it a little bit. Oh, you is, don't like the cartoons bit? I don't like the I Kyle Baker bit. I,
2: Well, uh, you know, it was meant to ape. Uh, there was a, the Beatles cartoon in the 60s. That it's, uh, it's, uh, was like a King Features uh, production. Well, I get the... it was
1: cheaply made. I get the intent. I just mm-hmm. don't like the... the, the I, I, I guess I've never really liked Kyle Baker. So his art was not really... I don't know. Like, they could have gotten a different cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And, and I probably would have liked it better. I just don't like Kyle Baker's particular style. But uh, um so yeah it was uh, the only weakness I saw with the the book itself was the dialogue I thought it was incredibly stiff sometimes
0: they're, they're English they are stiff people no Staunch. they're not Andrew <laughs> please confirm you've been to England more than David Gilman, and like both but <So> please confirm <laughs> the staunchness of the British people
2: I I would agree like it, you know sometimes it felt like you know uh, fan fiction at times like uh you know, because it's sometimes hard, you know, capturing the voice of, you know, living people. I mean, I think it's always going to come across as, you know, just a little bit off. You know, probably the best, you know, it's still like, you know, kind of through a crack, you know, Funhouse Mirror type of thing. But the writer of the film A Hard Day's Night, he hung around the Beatles for a little bit and kind of wrote the dialogue, you know, based on, you know, stuff they said. And, you know, it's still cartoony, but, you know, it kind of fits them. So, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, find the, you know, uh, right measure, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I do agree with that. Sometimes it felt like, you know, a little so but yeah, you know, it didn't really detract from it, you know, too much, I would say.
1: And another thing that bothered me was I really liked, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like the first half of it, okay. but then like near I don't know the second half, it felt as if there was a lot of crap he had to cover and I don't really think it got the space it deserved to actually be fully fleshed out. It, it it almost seems as if he, he relied too much on it being sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Abstract. Like, it, like especially when Brian's sick at the end there. And it's just, it, it, it doesn't, instead of feeling as if I'm reading something of consequence, it feels all hippy dippy and dreamy. And it's I mean, kind it, of,
2: it, it, it kind of fits because, uh, with uh, Brian, like you know, his most most important role with the Beatles and uh, the day to day stuff is like you know, uh, pre-fame uh, through uh, '66 when they stopped touring. Their last uh, live show, uh, you know, pre-concert uh, on the roof was uh, at Candlestick Park uh, in San Francisco, and that was uh, August 29th, 1966. Mm-hmm. And then that's why that's where Brian starts to lose his way because, you know, sure he had other artists like Sylla Black, uh, Jerry and the Pacemakers managed, but you know they they were never as big as uh, the Beatles, uh.
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that's like that's like you know yeah uh, you know, he kind of lost. So he also one thing they could have covered is uh, I believe they mentioned it, but uh, Brian got into managing like a theater. Uh, I forget what I want to say it's the uh, Young Vic or something something like that. But it's uh, a theater in London, uh, and because you know uh, Brian started out as an actor, uh, like that was one of his interests, along with you know designing uh, clothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He deck, and he right? did that, but you know, it, you know, wasn't quite as you know fulfilling as you know, say, uh, managing the Beatles. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking of that abstract scene, did it remind anyone else of uh, the the last bit of uh, 2001 of Space Odyssey, the Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite, like when he's in the white room at the end?
1: Um, I can see that a little bit. Let me like pull that page up. Kind of, uh, like I. It, I haven't seen that movie in a while, so I'm sort of basing it on the community. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say, that that killed me when that happened. (laughs) Was it the beginning of the third season when they did Mm -hmm, The first episode. (laughs) Is that about this
3: room?
1: I think it's, yeah, 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 right here. Yeah. Where it's like multiple people are coming in to talk to him on his sort of deathbed.
2: Yeah, because uh, Brian, you know, like uh,
1: part
3: of... I I took that, that he was actually dead at that time. Like, this is all in his head, I... I, I kind of pictured everything in the White Room, like, after he passed.
1: Mm.
3: Because, uh, Brian passed away, it was like, uh,
2: August of, uh, 67.
3: Okay.
2: Uh, like, uh, the Beatles were, like, uh, they were gonna go to Banger, uh, to see, uh, the Mahar- Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, mm-hmm. uh, who, uh, was a practitioner of, uh, Transcendental Meditation. And, uh, Brian, uh, you know, as the book depicts, he was on sleeping pills, uh, because yeah, he was a, he was a very unhappy man, uh. And he took sleeping pills, you know, to help him sleep uh, and other uppers and stuff, and he overdosed and passed away in his sleep.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that was... Hmm. I don't know way to put this. It, it is, I don't know. It, it was sort of sad to see him sort of not be able to find happiness, and when he sort of thought he had, the person ended up, you know, basically, essentially just blackmailing him. And,
2: and uh... I believe, uh, like uh, from what I know of Brian, like uh, that character was kind of ama- an amalgam of uh, his different affairs. Because uh, hmm. I remember, like, reading in the Bob Spitz uh, Beatles bio and you know, other places that uh, that you know sometimes happened with uh, Brian, where like you know he'd hook up with somebody and then you know they, because he was Brian Epstein, yeah, Epstein, uh, they would uh, you know blackmail him because uh, he would pay the money because you know he you know he loved those uh, four boys and he didn't want to tarnish their reputation in any
0: way.
1: Hmm.
0: Hmm. I like. I think that the cover art really does a good job of representing the book just the way that like the beetle it shows you that brian epstein is the force behind the band but instead of it being usually he would be the guy in the shadows like behind the stage um the Beatles are in the wings and he's the guy who's got the spotlights on him the colorful costume and yeah mm-hmm. i think that I, I don't know if that that was probably andrew robinson right
1: yeah
2: I thought it was interesting, like the 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 matador bullfighter motif. Uh,
0: yeah, because like he was saying in the book how much he loved the, the bullfighting, and I didn't know that. I mean, I remember the I remember that he and John had their trip, trip to Spain, Spain, but I didn't know it was because he loved bullfighting. I just thought they were going on vacation.
2: And like, uh, th- that's probably true, but like, uh, I don't recall because uh, Brian Epstein uh, with the Ghostwriter, uh, I want to say uh, maybe hundred days or trying to think it was, but he released really not autobiography a biography in the 60s, uh, uh, a cellar full of noise that kind of, you know, told how he became the people's manager and stuff. Uh, I don't, you know, it's been a while since I've read it, but I don't really recall him mentioning the Natador stuff, but that could have been, you know, he didn't want, you know, uh, to, I mean, there's kind of, you can kind of, you know, read the subtext in some of the parts of the book that, you know, Brian's gay.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is definitely in the forefront of this one. It was, kind of, it was kind of, another sad thing was him and Lennon on the beach. Where you could tell Brian Epstein was, you know, clearly heads over heels for the guy. And Lennon knew, and he was just kind of playing with him. It was a little, I don't know, cruel to a certain degree.
0: Uh, I haven't, I don't know, I didn't take it like that. I think that he, they had more of a loving relationship than that. Like, yeah, Brian Epstein probably was in love with him, but he knew that John Lennon didn't go for guys. Well, at least I assume not seen as he was married two times. <laughs> <laughs> to, there's to rumors both well, to women both times. Yeah,
2: you know, there's rumors about like, you know, uh, nobody really knows. You know, the only, as uh, Professor Gass said about that uh, trip to Spain, you know, the only two people who know exactly what went on are both dead.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Hmm. But,
2: you know, like, uh, you know, so, uh, you know uh, John could be a bit of a, Bit of a prick, which is an understatement—probably the understatement of the year. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, sometimes he would make fun of, you know, Brian for, uh, teasing for being Jewish, or, the case. <laughs> or you know, gay. Like, uh, for example, uh, I remember reading the Bob Spitz uh, bio when they were recording uh, "Baby You're a Rich Man." This was like summer '67 for like the Magical Mystery Tour stuff. Uh, it was at the Olympic Sound Studios, uh, and you know, the chorus is "Baby You're a Rich," uh, "Baby You're a Rich Man Too." Uh, Lennon sang it as "Baby You're a Rich Fag Jew." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, another thing I thought uh, Andrew Robinson did incredibly well in the art is that he 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 managed to balance realism and like he 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 didn't draw like he didn't take a picture of Ringo and draw it straight from Ringo. He 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 managed to create. Very real you know, cartoon versions of everybody in the book, and I think he did a great job. Like you see the Beatles all in the room; they don't, and even when they're dressed all the same with the same haircut, you can tell which one's which just by how they're drawn. And it's not like he he did it with a, a lot of details; it was just with a few lines and gestures on the nose and the eyes. And it, he just can, he did a great job. Can that. you
3: imagine Greg Land drawing this book?
1: Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he did his
2: porn poses. Uh, <laughs> God, yes.
3: Or, like, I know you had a problem with the the, uh, Doctor Who Star Trek crossover Mm -hmm. a couple years ago where it was almost too photo... Oh,
1: yeah, it was incredibly stiff. And and just because they were trying to uh, make all the characters look like the actors and stuff, and instead of just using some sort of idealized (laughs) version of the character that would actually provide some sort of form of kineticism to the art that isn't, you know, just so it wasn't so stiff and looked like people just in a picture. Yeah.
3: Now, you guys actually had the, well, we all had the, the pleasure of meeting Vivek yeah. last year. Um, you guys went to his panel at C2E2. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and the insight that he gave during that panel.
0: Well, that was the pop music and or wasn't that the comics and pop music is what it was? And I don't didn't know. go. It was, yeah, it was know. just me. I was writing my master's thesis. Uh, no, Christopher, I, was,
2: you,
1: uh, I was there too. Gary. Yeah, Kerry was there too. Yeah, it was him and Kieran Gillan and a, a bunch of other writers. Oh, uh, makes
2: sense because uh, Kieran Gillan does the excellent. Uh, is it uh, phonogram?
1: Phonogram. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I, I prefer the first volume of that to the second
1: one. I haven't read the second one yet. It was but. okay though. Yeah,
0: but they, he was mostly talking about his relationship. What I remember of it is him talking about his relationship that he had with Brian Epstein, and uh, like sharing a uh, similar career aspirations, and following the same career path how you know he he learned about the music business the music management business from brian's career but he also learned about um you know, the personal trials that brian went through and that made like made him connect more emotionally with brian epstein even though you know brian was dead by this point obviously so he would never meet brian yeah but he just felt a real connection to the guy so he felt that at some point in time in his life he wanted to tell the story of brian epstein because he thought that he owed that to brian that people needed to ne- hear about it and
1: it was nice yeah he also got a movie deal out of this oh really, oh, really? I yeah didn't know that. he's writing the screenplay for it right now oh
3: sweet i That's did not know that
1: yeah so hopefully that goes well
3: yeah for sure that'd be that'd be
1: awesome hopefully it writes dialogue better than the screenplay <laughs> Who's gonna play the Beatles? It's gonna oh, have to be.
0: No, it's gonna have to be for No Name. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, sure. yeah a, uh, <laughs>
2: Although it worked pretty well, pretty well, I thought in uh, uh, Dewey Cox. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Paul Rudd as John Lennon. Oh, no. And uh And J- uh, Justin Long was a pretty good George Harrison. Like, get uh, the
0: hit the look <laughs> right.
3: I think Chris Eccleston's a bit too old to play John Lennon again. Yeah. <laughs> Which was really good if you guys haven't seen it.
1: That Naked Lennon.
3: Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Well,
1: they get Aaron Johnson to do it. Then he yeah. played Leonard in the <laughs> yeah, Nowhere he
3: Boy? Did. Was Nowhere was Boy, him? which yeah. I really liked. Nowhere Boy Nowhere Boy was really good. <laughs> and uh, the kid who played Paul in that was the kid from uh, the Doctor Who two parter in season three. Uh, Family of Blood. The little blonde haired boy in that. Yeah, I don't know. Sure Family of Blood two In season three? Yeah what the happened one where, the one where the doctor becomes human because yeah, of Bob watch. because they're, they're oh they're, they're back in time yeah, after yeah. Him. oh okay yeah. back
1: in time he's a teacher and, okay yeah yeah Martin with uh a oh, what, oh what's her name uh, the, the woman from space yeah um her Jessica Peg
3: Jessica uh, <laughs> Jessica oh frick yeah I can't remember her last name yeah yeah anyway
1: okay um
3: <laughs> yeah uh, I really liked Nowhere Boy Nowhere Boy was a, a good movie I really liked
1: it. I haven't seen it. <laughs>
3: um, I'm probably the only one here who has. Yep, I saw old. You one. haven't seen it? No. Why? So. Yeah, I just didn't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, Anna Johnson does a great job as Joan.
2: I, I sometimes have a hard time like watching those like uh, like historic like like it's one of pop music because I, I can't you know get it out of my head. Like, no, you're changing this. No, this.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, this is this just tells a specific. Uh, portion of john's life like, i was gonna ask like it doesn't there's no beetle stuff oh in yeah it, I, I, knew, so I knew that the, the very end of it has a quarry but that's,
0: that's do, it. do either of the other films about him about john lennon talk about his and brian's trip to spain like hint at their homosexuality
3: they kind of hint at it in naked linen yeah. it's there
0: you can tell that but
3: it's kind of it has a little bit uh uh, of the Beatles when they're first starting out but most of it's the second half of okay. everything hmm. uh, most of it's post-Yoko so yeah. you know. I love but you, you can definitely feel like there's a gap missing like they made sure that was a part of the movie that, that John was missing Brian that like Brian's death had a huge impact
2: on him. I mean, that that's what killed them, because, you know, Brian was still managing their money, because, you know, he handled that stuff. You know, in the studio, they could, you know, still uh, get along, but, you know, uh, uh, I forget the exact quote, but, but you know, uh, I think it was in, like, the Playboy interview that John gave shortly before he passed away. Uh, 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 you know, he's like, you know, I knew we had it. I knew we fucking had it when Brian died.
3: Because
2: hmm. that's when they do stupid... The, the, the first misstep was, you know... Uh, months after uh, Brian passed away, uh, Magical Mystery Tour, right. which was uh, shown on Boxing Day on uh, TV, and uh, it, it, one of the reasons it wasn't you know uh, so well received was uh, it was being broadcast uh, in uh, black and white in some places. On, mm. And you know it's it, it's a it's a cool looking film. I mean, it's
3: I've never actually seen
2: it. It's not as good as like you know Hard Day's Night uh, or Help, but you know there, there's parts that are you know kind of charming, like the musical sequences.
1: So you're essentially saying without Brian around to control the branding, it kind of you know kind of got away they, they, they started like, making yeah, stupid like, business decisions all the mm. and, all the-
2: and then like they formed apple core uh and then like they opened the store which was a the apple boutique uh which was a disaster like uh people stole stuff from the shop and by the end they like fuck it and they just you know gave out a bunch of uh all, all their free stuff all, hmm. the, all the merchandise they gave it away and then like uh then like you know uh when they brought in alan klein for you know to be their accountant uh that caused uh, tension because, uh, Paul wanted his, uh, his, uh, fa- uh father-in-law, uh, can't remember his first name, but Eastman, Linda's dad, uh, to be, or was, was her brother, I think, uh, maybe yeah, to, to do the accounting, and, yeah, the other three vetoed him, and he didn't like Alan Klein, hmm. and, you know, um, because Alan, Alan Klein fucked over the Stones, uh, and, you know, uh...
1: So he already fucked over the Stones and then hired him? Am
2: I... He was getting to the point where he fucked them over, because okay. uh, I, I think, uh... Because uh, the Stones were on APCO up through, I want to say, until uh, their 72 album, uh, Exile on Main Street. So mm. I, I, I think it's like, a, I think their last Abco release was like 69, uh, Let It Bleed. And I, I think like Sticky Fingers and Forward was uh, with Virgin Records. Mm. But uh, yeah, he's a, he's a scumbag, Alan Klein. <laughs> you yeah, he got them their money, but like, a, you know, kind of a shady businessman. Uh, if you guys have ever seen the movie uh, The Rutt- *The Ruddles, all you need is cash. Uh, yeah, Jim Belushi plays uh, the young oh, Klein yeah. figure.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen
1: that. Speaking of douchebags, uh, what do you think of the way they portrayed uh, Elvis's? Uh, oh, Colonel okay. Parker. Like that.
2: A, Tom Parker was like Tom Parker. Yeah, it's, he was exactly like. That. <laughs> it, it was a little bit. It was a little bit exaggerated, Not, but you know, he wasn't
0: actually demonic or devilish.
1: Well, yeah, but I just love the way that was drawn. Like, uh, yeah, just it looked the. Date is, actually give him horns or was it just no just but they, they gave him those him.
0: really sharp teeth <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's like eating all that meat and just ripping flesh And
1: yeah he just looked like a freaking monster Parker he
2: was, was uh, kind of a scumbag like you know uh, Elvis uh, didn't have a really good deal and uh, he was the reason why Elvis never uh, toured the world because uh, he was a Dutchman uh, and like a uh, he was uh, here uh, in the U.S. Uh, illegally, I believe, or like uh, under less legal circumstances. So he was afraid of, you know, being deported if uh, oh, wow. he left the
0: country. Yeah, uh with the horns. horns on his chair behind him.
1: Yeah, and I love this o- overhead shot. Is like he's surrounded by all these people serving him. He's got like six people around him. Uh, Brian only has the one, and he's got like little shadow uh, tendrils coming out of him, like he's like a Thulu monster. Or it's like it kind of reminded me of a uh, uh, Lord of the Rings when uh, uh what's his face the steward of Gondor. It's like when he's oh, uh, eating Denethor. and consuming shit yeah, while Denethor. everybody's running off to die. It's like and there's all close-ups of his mouth that he's consuming and things are popping in his mouth. That's what they're doing here, and it, it is pretty freaking great. Mm.
2: And with that, uh, you know, with Tom Parker, like you know, he was also he was kind of like uh, behind some of the. Uh, poor decisions uh, that Elvis made like the movies uh, mm-hmm. like he wasn't selective like with the script I mean some of the Elvis movies are good but a lot of them are you know Charo mm-hmm. I love that
3: movie some of them
2: are you know he hit or miss sing once
3: in that movie because <laughs> I mean he wanted to be an, Elvis wanted to be an actor he didn't want to sing yeah
2: I, I want to say like he auditioned for like I want to say like the Rainmaker or something like that but uh, Parker talked him out of doing but you know Parker like you know really controlled Elvis and yeah, yeah one thing you know like like uh, yeah, I really feel for people like, you know, Elvis or uh, Michael Jackson, uh, where they, you know, they reach a certain level of fame where they're isolated. You know, like but the Beatles, you know, they had three other guys, you know, tell, you know, oh, don't go, don't get big-headed, you know. I, I know you, you're Paul McCartney from Liverpool. Uh,
3: <laughs> I used to ride the
2: bus with you. Uh, and I, I think that's, you know, they were uh, greater than the sum of their parts. I mean, that's why, you know, really uh, not, much, not much of any of their uh, solo career stuff, you know, touches the... Beatles song. I mean, that's probably personal bias coming into some, in some of it, but...
1: Well, I don't think a lot of people would disagree with you about no. that. I mean, I think the closest thing would be Paul and uh, Wings, it would probably be the... Uh, I
0: don't know. <laughs> See, that's not... I would never say that. Ram I is a really pretty really good
2: record. Ram, I, Ram is definitely one of the top Beatles solo albums. My, my personal...
0: I enjoy a lot of Beatles solo stuff.
2: My personal mm-hmm. favorite Beatles solo album is All Things Must Pass.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a good album.
2: Double album. Triple album. Triple album. Is it triple?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: A triple? Well give us a triple LP, mostly because it's like you know the, the you know the, the jam song to the, yeah, the last
0: uh, all things most past part of the second one.
3: Um, one thing I thought was interesting on the book of how they made uh, JFK's assassination such a prominent moment in the book as well, yeah. which I, I'm i do not quite remember why.
1: Well, isn't uh, that right around the time they did the Ed Sullivan show? Well, uh, here's here's or, what here's, well, well, it would have been yeah, I like guess November, no- November. Uh, here's, here's
2: why it's significant. Uh, there, uh, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three is the date uh, with the Beatles was released in the UK, okay.
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, like uh, you know, if you've read anything about the Kennedy assassination, there was this, you know this yeah uh, you know, a heaviness in the air in the United States after Kennedy died because he was their youthful president. You know, mm-hmm. had young kids uh, get, gets murdered. You know. Uh, On TV, uh, like, you saw the, like, Zapruder film, and then, I don't know if that came out until later, but, you know, then you have stuff like, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald being shot on air by by Jack Ruby, Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, uh, the holidays, I've read, like, you know, different, you know, writers and stuff, you know, talk about, you know, it's hard to feel happy about anything, but, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the Beatles are making noise over in England, and... uh, it, it, it was different. Like it, it felt like you know, it felt like okay for them to be you know, joyous, you know, happy because you know they're they're not Americans. You know, they're you know, kind of but removed a little bit from the situation.
3: Well, uh, as we learned a couple months back, to, watching uh, an adventure through space and time, uh, the Doctor Who anniversary uh, docudrama. I mean, even Kennedy's death had an impact on that too, because it was all over the TV there as well, all over the media. So with Doctor Who, it was kind of... The first episode aired the day after, and nobody watched it because they were all watching the, the news of Kennedy's death. So I, I just wondered if that is some of the same... Like, just everybody's attention was just on it so much that it would mm-hmm. be hard to have something that didn't get affected by it.
2: Yeah, um. and then, like, you know, you know it's... Really, I mean, the Beatles, like, in the early part of their career, you know, they really weren't doing anything. They weren't reinventing the wheel. It was basically taking, like, you know, American R&B, uh, country blues, and, you know, uh, putting their own spin on it. But, you know, it, it sounded different, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, the the cliched uh, talking point about rock and roll at that point was, you know, it's kind of dead because, you know, by uh, 59, Buddy Holly's in the ground, Elvis is in the army, Chuck Berry's in prison, Jerry Lewis was sidelined because of uh, marrying his young cousin. I mean, th- that's kind of true to an extent, but you know, also at the time you had, uh, because I mean, a lot of the people who were making hits that day were like, you know, teen idols like Fabian, but you also had, like, you yes. know, Rick Nelson, who's, uh, pretty good, uh, and then, like, you know, the Brill Boating Pops, so think, like, and Phil Spector stuff, so, like, think the Ronettes, the Crystals, Shangri La's, and then, like, early Motown.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
2: you know, uh, yes, Rock is dead, but, you know, it's not, and the be- early Beach Boys, uh, because their first mm-hmm. record was sixty-two, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Serpent Safari*. Mm. Mm.
0: So, what would you say? What What would you say was the thing you took away from the book about Brian Epstein's life? Like, because you you've st- read a lot of stuff about him already. Is there anything in here that that they represented like perfectly? That you feel any aspect of his life that they represented perfectly? Or is there any part of it that was, like, really exaggerated?
2: I mean, there's, you know, there's definitely some exaggeration, you know, probably, you know, some characters combined, uh, but, uh, one thing I, like, you know, I, I, guess, you know, to me, like, it was, like, an abstract concept, like, you know, how lonely Brian was, but, uh...
0: Yeah, because he was, he was gay when it was illegal to be mm-hmm. gay. And...
2: and, you know, I, I read, like, that stuff, and, you know, I knew he was, you know, a very lonely and sad man, like, uh uh there's this part in Beatles anthology i I always cry uh you know when uh they talk about brian Brian dying uh and then they play uh you got to hide your love away uh which you know was rumored to be you know about uh and you know it just kind of you know encapsulates you know that you know uh you know like uh this you know sense of loneliness uh you know uh he you know he had all that you know uh wealth you know he you know top of the world, but you know he wasn't happy, and you know was you know i mean he had love you know in the maybe the friendship sense uh but you know. Nothing like, you know, that the type of love that he really wanted.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of people that still are, like, burdened by that same thing today, be, like, because of their sexual preferences. And I know that's... We, David doesn't want to talk about the Olympics, but that's one thing. That's, <laughs> that's one thing that has been happening in the Olympics, is that some athletes have been protesting during the events, protesting the anti-homosexual agenda and legislation in Russia... And it's something that we still have to deal with here in the U.S. Yeah. I mean... Well, I, mean, I didn't know it was illegal
3: uh, at the time. Like, I had no idea. I, think you could, I had no idea that you could be sent to prison. There's,
0: there's a movie... And, uh, Oscar a,
2: Wilde uh, went to prison because of uh, that. those laws. Oh, wow.
0: There's a movie, though, with Mel... Or not Mel Gibson, excuse me. Dennis Quaid, where he um, is a homosexual. And he ends up going to a psychiatrist <laughs> to, like, seek help in curing himself of his urges. And he's, at the time, he's a married and he already has a couple of kids. I don't know the name of the movie. I, I can't remember it.
2: But that, that's actually uh, true. Uh, I, I, it wasn't until, like, you know, uh, maybe, like, I want to say the 70s or so, like, when the uh, homosexual, homosexuality was no longer considered, like, you know, uh, a mental
0: disease. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't believe that we still live in a state where the gays can't get married. Like where we don't recognize a union of two people as any, any two people of reasonable age and mental constitution who are in love with each other and agree to, like agree to the parameters of the marriage that they feel are necessary.
2: Everyone deserves the right to entering into a love, loveless, uh, cold marriage.
0: <laughs> but at the same time, does it does it really matter if your marriage? See, in this country, it matters because. Uh, tax yeah the there's tax certain rights that are involved yeah.
1: uh, that that's the bullshit thing I mean it doesn't like it isn't like people have to get married under uh, a, a, a church under, yeah under a church or involve religion in it at all they yeah. it's a civil union it's between two people state. yeah I mean that's the important bit and, and that's it, the thing that's bullshit about it because everybody's supposed to have the same rights and the fact that we're denying these two people rights is kind of bullshit yeah. That's the thing. I, I could give a shit whether they... they if they wanted to get uh, married in a Christian church or something, in the Christian church didn't want, to, want them to do so, that's up to the church. The church mm-hmm. can do whatever the fuck it wants. Yeah, as long as the they are not take any public money. Yeah, the, the state, you know, forcing itself into these people's uh, 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 social issues is wrong. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah.
0: I don't... I mean, when it's not like we're asking... For people and animals to get together in civil unions, or people and inanimate objects, we're just talking about people.
1: Yeah. It. Yeah. And then
2: I, I mean, this you know this is definitely you know issue uh, is important, but you know uh, there's a lot you know a lot of stuff with like the uh, LGBT community that we could do better on, like you know uh, suicide rates for you know uh, queer teenagers, uh, you know, and like uh, I I think I read somewhere that the life expectancy for a person who's trans is like 25 or 23. Wow. Why is that? a lot of people react violently to finding out somebody's trans, you know, they, they might murder them, or it's, uh... You should see, like, you know, like, uh, you know, Pierce Morgan, uh, rightfully so, was, uh, under uh, hot water for, you know, some of his, uh, thoughtless comments to uh, Janet Mock, a uh, tr- uh, transgender woman, uh, who recently re- released a book, and, uh... I don't know if you guys uh, kept tabs on it, but, uh, uh... Like, one of the issues, like, with the with the folks who are trans are, like, you know, uh... They, they might not want to be out of that you know, that they, uh you know, were assigned a different gender at birth. Uh, like, uh, this happened, like, uh, Grantland, there was a big controversy over a, a, a story about uh, this uh, putter uh, that, like, uh, made you better, like, allowed well, you to shoot better at golf. Uh, and the reporter was doing his due, due, due diligence, you know, kind of looking into the background, uh, make sure that, you know, the, this, uh, this Dr. V, uh, you know, that her, her credentials were bona fide, but then he found out that uh, she was a trans woman. Uh, and that, and he added her uh, post... Uh, she she ended up dying, die, uh, killing herself. So there's, like, you know... I, I I got, like, from reading the story that, you know... Maybe that, you know... His poking and prodding, you know... Might have led her to commit suicide.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so and Grantland was like, you know... we They couldn't... Their apology... Bill Simmons' apology was decent. But, you know, they, they really fucked up. Because, I mean, like... this Everybody, like, who... They had, like, multiple people, people read the story. But, you know... Uh, really, like, when it's this type of story... You know, if, if you're not familiar with this... You should definitely, you know... Maybe they could have gone like to Flag or some other organization that you know is familiar with this. You know, are we doing it the right way? Are we using the right pronouns? That type of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, this is sort of a downer episode, right? Well, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, it's yeah, just no, an no, issue no. that they talked
0: about in the book that I yeah. think we should talk and about because it's still pretty. And it's
1: a mm-hmm.
3: prominent point in the book, though. I mean, yeah. It's a big part of the book. And yeah.
2: uh, I, I, I can't remember if I got uh, mentioned here, but. Uh, the Alan Turing, uh, who like was responsible for, uh, I think it was the uh, breaking the Enigma coding machines of like the Germany used in World War Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe it was the '50s or '60s. He was chemically castrated because he was homosexual.
0: Oh. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Wow, that's
2: rough. And yeah, I mean, yeah, like uh, he was one of the reasons why you know we're not speaking German or Japanese today. I mean,
3: because
2: mm-hmm. I mean that, that saved lives and allowed you know the Allies, you know. Uh, chance to get, in, get, get really get back into the fight and you know, save people especially like, for U-Boat Communications.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. For
3: sure.
2: Those wolf pack latillas are deadly. Damn.
3: Hmm. Well, um, mm-hmm. let's all go around and talk about uh, our first exposure to the Beatles. You know, uh-huh. It's a celebration. It's 50 years since they've they played on national television here in the United States. Let's Let's just go around, and I guess I'll, I'll start. Um, I'm sure I, I had heard them uh, before, but I guess my first big exposure was uh, probably Beatles 1. My dad had picked it up, mm-hmm. and I, I was in, what, middle school at the time? Yeah, it came
2: out in 2000. It would have been like 6th, uh, 7th grade. Yeah, 6th,
3: 7th grade, if if mm-hmm. that. And uh, it was just kind of my, my first big exposure to them, and... Of course, it's all their number one hits and whatnot, but uh, basically, I, I got that and just kind of fell in love. It was, it hasn't stopped since. Hell, uh, yesterday when Chance picked me up for work, we both got. Uh, I got into his car. I was listening to the Beatles on my phone. He was listening to them in the, in yeah, the car. It was, it was just kind we were of. Celebrating. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, they're just there. The Beatles are something that if I'm in a down mood, I can put the Beatles on. If I'm in a good mood, I can put the Beatles on. It's. They're my comfort food, music-wise.
0: <laughs> That's a good way to put it. What about you, Gilman?
1: Well, I'm probably the sort of odd man out here where I don't. I. 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 I, I Beatles 1 was probably my first uh, introduction to them as well. It's just that I never latched to them in the same manner you guys did. I mean, I like listening to them, but I can't. Like, I, I don't think. I don't have the albums memorized. I don't have the songs memorized or anything like that. I, I mean, I'm aware of them like pulp culture wise, but I yeah, I've never been into their music as much as. Have
3: you ever me. seen their, their films? No, I've never
1: seen. It. I saw, oh, I saw right. a Blue. A I saw not Blue Submarine, Yellow Submarine. I'm saying Blue Meanies. Oh. Um. Blue, <laughs> some, blue Submarine's an odd one. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, but it's, I mean, yeah, it's, he would like
2: a hard day's. Movie. I think so too. Help yeah. is basically a Bond film.
3: Kind of, yeah. <laughs>
2: Goofy, Goofy
3: Bond film. Peter like,
2: Sellers. It was originally going to be a Peter Sellers film. That's
1: weird.
3: <laughs> it's kind of like take Austin Powers, insert the Beatles.
1: Okay. But yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I mean, I I, I I couldn't argue they had any real sort of impact on my life or anything like that. Mm. Like I don't listen to a great ton or anything like that. Mm. So yeah. Can't.
0: Well. I probably heard him on—I probably heard him on the radio like all the time when yeah. I was really, really young. But my dad had a <laughs> single that. What's the single that has rain on it? Paperback Rider. Paperback Rider and Rain. And he had the single, like the little forty-five. Came out
2: like or, May uh, and April of yeah. 55? And so when I was okay.
0: maybe fourteen or fifteen, I had bought a couple jazz vinyl records. So I broke out our old uh, record player and I was listening to him. And then after that, I popped on, I saw that he had that single, so I put it on there and I listened to it. And I hadn't heard Rain before, which is a really good song. Yeah. But after that, I mean, I, li- I didn't listen to him as much. I got into jazz really, uh, really heavily. But then when I came back around, like, into college and had the opportunity to take the Beatles class, I got, I mean, well, Glenn Gas teaches, like, the crash course of, of the Beatles. It's pretty awesome
1: yeah uh, uh, one funny thing you bring up I, I i say i'm not a big fan of the beatles but i actually have all of their vinyls the uh, uh my parents had them and somehow throughout the years oh so, wow so they're your apartment yeah do yeah. you have a record player um no no not a working one but, yeah, I have all of them. <laughs> Damn. I have a record player working. I just... Yeah, but it's in your house, not his. <laughs> Yeah. That's the
2: problem. Because yeah.
0: I got one, too, but I'm not taking it over there. we got to take the whole well, 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 yeah,
2: mine's, like a, mine's like kind of poor, because I have my stereo, and then I have like uh, two uh, speakers. I, I haven't... Yeah, I got the speakers hooked that bit, because I need to, you know, set, strip the cables and set them up. Uh.
0: Well, we do have that, that game... That we're gonna we're gonna be playing games on the fifteenth, right? Hello. Yeah, we're gonna play oh. Game of Thrones. What if, <laughs> the, what if we just bring the stereo over, set it up, and put on Beatles records while we play the and, game?
2: And uh, like, uh, if we if we really want to get nerdy,
0: you know, uh, we could play. Your wait, thing. wait. What do you mean if we really want to get nerdy? We're talking about playing, playing Beatles game on vinyl that. while we play a Game of Thrones, cu- a custom Cust- risk game. Yeah, that's well, uh, could I, could <laughs> that Gilman made.
2: Cause, cause I have the Beatles uh, stereo remasters on vinyl. I can we, we, let's see let's hear uh, the original mix of, with the Beatles <laughs> oh, 2009 or I guess it's 2012 or 2011 uh, vinyl mix <laughs> nice
0: are you, are you picking
3: up the the US releases um,
0: he's going too. He's a little whore. <laughs> 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 well,
2: like, I, I was looking to like if uh, if like uh, the individual albums that are uh, for sale because that's what I might do. Uh, because uh, I
3: think so. I think I saw them on iTunes. Okay, yeah, because I think they released them on iTunes. Because like
2: uh, I don't know if you guys like uh, with the U.S. albums, like they would you know. I
3: have Capitol Records Volume Two mm-hmm. upstairs.
2: They they like, kind of you know cannibalize like the U- the U.K. albums. Like you know the U.K. albums they roughly averaged about you know fourteen tracks uh, mm-hmm. per LP. The US, like they would, you know, was maybe topped out of about 12, and they would also, you know, because uh, they wanted more product, you know, like you uh, chop off a song, you can put them on another LP, make mm-hmm. more money, and you know, they would put singles on. But uh, for Yesterday and Today, which is like a hodgepodge of stuff from uh, Help, Revolver, and Rubber Soul, uh, like they have different mixes for like uh, Dr. Robert, I think, and uh, Andrew Burt can sing. I have the LP of it. Uh, not butcher cover
0: I don't even know the the us versions of any of like, of, any of this. but it, stuff. it's
2: kind of like a punchier harder uh, guitar rock on uh, mix um I know. On the song it's pretty good i I like it so I might pick that up uh, and I might you know maybe like listen on listen online to like the us mix and see if there's anything different because I mean yeah I, I already have all of the I have the mono versions and then the stereo versions of
3: it, it's like us with Star Wars buying every version of Star Wars that comes out. He's like that with Beatles albums. <laughs> Although to be fair like I mean like some and the some Star Wars. Some of the
2: mono But <laughs> <laughs> the, the mono Beatles like there's some cool shit like uh Pepper sounds uh, like the mixes are different uh yeah. because the the mono mixes are what the Beatles you know focused on cuz uh stereo really re- really didn't become a thing uh, for records till like the late 60s. Do they
3: answer mm-hmm. Anakin Skywalker anyway
0: No <laughs> <done>. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I I really hope that Sean and Julian will both be at the show on Sunday Oh, that would be amazing Danny, I know Danny is on tour His The new number two is on tour with Roman Remains right now yeah. But I don't know if there's going to be a tour break yeah. this weekend for him to do yeah, that yeah. Or it's probably pre-recorded, right? Or is it going to be live? I think it's live, yeah Well, okay. I don't know, I mean, I don't
3: know they show footage. Yeah, so those, maybe all those
0: TV spots make me think uh, it's pre-recorded. Yeah, good possibility. So,
3: but I mean, that would that'd be awesome to have. I mean, right, of course, they're highlighting George and Ringo playing together. Can you imagine if the, the, the
0: not George and Ringo.
3: Oh, Paul and
4: Ringo, my bad. <laughs> the old necromancy, no, fucking hologram beetles. I don't
1: care what anybody says. Co- Co- no. That, no. that, that oh, would, Paul, Paul Ringo, <laughs> that would be great. Beer. Yeah. If they started a uh, uh, started the show with somebody performing some sort of blood ritual on the stage, <laughs> and <laughs> John and George are dead.
2: John and George are deadites now, and Paul.
4: Uh, you mean uh, you mean
2: uh, uh, William? C- we mean William, William Campbell. Campbell? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, but I, I, I never said uh, where uh, my first exposure to the Beatles. Oh, well, no. you yeah. Please tell us. Well, like uh, the earliest I really remember music, like uh, I was in kindergarten, and uh, I, I lived in Laporte, Indiana, which is, you know up north, uh, pretty close to Chicago, and we got this oldie station on the bus riding in. Uh, I'm sure I heard the Beatles there, but I really don't remember. What I do remember is, like, the Four Tops, the Supreme, so, you know, Motown is, like, my touchstone. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I think that, like, you know, I, I became aware of them because, you know, it's, it's hard not to. Because, you know, I mean, especially like, in 94, 95, you had, like, uh, Beatles Anthology. Uh, so, you know, I might have heard stuff on the news or uh, from my parents. Uh, but uh, I, re- I watched Forrest Gump with my mom, and uh, I, I know John Lennon was in that, like, in that you know, scene on the Michael Douglas show hmm and uh I, I kind of you know pieces together back by it's kind of like a memento where he's uh piecing shit together uh
3: <laughs> but uh, like uh, uh like april 95
2: like we took we took a trip to uh disney world uh and like we drove there in our in my mom's astro van and like she had like uh, cassettes and i I couldn't read at this point I was a kin- in kindergarten, but there was a cassette could with-
0: read in kindergarten. I'm
2: kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> there was a cassette, like, a, it had a Beetle on the cover. It was, a, it was a Journey cassette, but I couldn't read, and I, I thought it was, like, ah, oh, Beetle Beatles. Mm-hmm. And I asked my mom about that, and uh, I think she told me about them. Uh, but really where I think I first heard them was, like, uh, like you guys, uh, One.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, like, uh, that's what hooked me. Uh, I got that, like, uh, January of uh, 2001. Uh, we went out a couple days early for my mom's birthday, and... Uh, and then she took us to Best we went to Olive Garden, and then we, she took us to Best Buy, uh, and we got to, to pick, uh, like, two CDs, I, I picked up that, and I was, at this point, I was watching VH1, because I wanted to be one of the cool kids, and I also watched MTV, because I wanted to be, like, you know, kind of fit in better, like, listen, keep my pulse on the pop music of the day, uh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I also picked up the... <laughs> Jesus
2: Christ! <laughs> I was, I was like, trying to say
0: happening <laughs>
2: Well, like, it's because it's like you know, my, I grew up listening to country music. Like my mom would listen, like you know, so I have a real soft spot for like you know George Strait, Travis Tritt, uh, mm-hmm. Alan Jackson. Yeah,
0: uh, I know all that
2: crap. Dwight Yoakam.
0: Nineties
2: yeah, yeah. country's great.
0: Uh,
2: Garth <laughs> you know, Brooks. Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, but you know, I didn't know like you know like the pop music of the day. But like I, I I'd seen commercials for one and. I think I you know, heard like I wanna hold your hand and can't I mean love on the radio. But uh I picked up one and that was it for me. Like that's I at that point it's like, you know, nothing is better than this. Uh, this is the only music <laughs> we're listening to. And uh like
0: uh uh before uh, <laughs> uh
1: Okay okay, what the fuck is that? Venus
0: <laughs> interrupt us.
1: Oh, I see. Oh, I see what you did there. Okay
2: well. Uh but Sorry. uh but like uh Pre Beatles, like uh, I would get modified flat tops for my hair, uh, and then you know, uh, after that, I discovered them, you know, mm-hmm. bowl cuts ever since basically, you know, variations of different Beetle cuts, sometimes shaggier than the others. But uh, I remember, like, because uh, it's like, you know, the first year of my fandom, you know, I really only could identify John, because I, you know, I knew the way he looked and sounded, you know, I confused uh, John and Paul, like the voices, uh, but, uh, I remember, uh, that fall, you know, uh, really being, uh, crushed when George died, uh. Yeah. Like, uh, um, I, 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 2001, yeah. November 29th, 2001, I, uh, like, I, I listened to the oldies radio station from Indianapolis, uh, like, that would wake me up, I'd get about, up about six, uh, that's when the alarm would ring, and I would lay in bed, you know, kind of half asleep. And, uh, like, I remember, like, half asleep, I heard, like, a this guy call into the radio station, say something, uh, and then, like, they played a Beatles song, and then, like, when I was more awake, I was like, that's odd. They usually don't play the Beatles that early. And uh, then I, like, w- uh, turned on CNN when I came down. It was full of, like, 9-11 coverage still and Afghanistan, war in Afghanistan and stuff. Nothing about George, but then I w- went online and...
3: I think I stole my newspaper from uh, the Indy Star. The, the they interviewed
2: uh, Professor Gass, actually. Oh, did they? Yeah, I went to the archive, like, to look it up, because... Oh, wow. Yeah, that, the
3: that, I'm pretty sure I have that, that, that Indy Star put up somewhere. Of uh, like full p- front page George Harrison,
2: but like I like uh, they interview Glenn and that's how I found out about the, about the Beatles <laughs> class. Like you like know, I, I kind of put that away and then you know I, I like my freshman year of uh, high school I got really obsessed. I got uh, Rubber sole Revolver, all, all these stuff I was basically missing. And uh, what did you guys turn it off or something?
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> Gilman's just. No, <laughs>
1: David is writing links to talk over the next episode. Passed, David passed I wrote, I wrote down this, that.
0: And he said vision. And then <laughs> I was being
1: <weird laughs> Blind people. I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> I was
3: being a So I wrote <laughs> <laughs> it, it took you that long?
1: No, no. That, yeah, I've time. been laughing. I've been trying to contain my love, and, and, yeah, I keep on looking down and seeing blind people. And yeah, sorry. But that doesn't make uh, any sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I saying.
2: But, uh, like, you know, like uh, our, our friend uh, Matt, uh, like, uh, I, I was doing drama, like, we got, we got, like, uh, we did, like, uh, the Thespian Society. Uh, Matt made me a tea with a full, I still have it in, uh, in my closet. Uh, like, a different. There's a lot be- of
3: stuff still in your closet. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, like, different <laughs> Beatles album covers on it. Uh, it you, like, <laughs> buddy. It was really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, like, the Beatles, you know, that, that, they basically, you know, changed the course of my life. Uh, Like, when I was looking at colleges, like, fall of 2006, I I went to visit IU, and I got to sit in on the Beatles class, and, you know, I already wanted to become, like, a music journalist, because, I you know, I'd seen Almost Famous, and I was like, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. But sitting on the Beatles class, like, I'm coming here, and I'm taking that class. (laughs) And I I took basically every uh, rock history class at IU, and eventually I became, uh, Glenn was on sabbatical at the time, he was in uh, Hawaii, uh, working on the Bob Dylan course, but uh, Professor Holland was teaching it, but, uh... Eventually, I became Professor Gass's uh, grading assistant, and when I was uh, applying for uh, my one grad school uh, to study musicology, I wrote a paper analyzing uh, Help.
0: Hmm. Was that for the CUNY?
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, like the, the, the you know, the, you know, Beatles were like a, my gateway to like every other type of you know popular music. Uh. So
3: the Beatles were your gateway drug. Yes. Pretty much. Can I? Well, it's
1: no, fine. Okay. It's fine. It, it wasn't doing that earlier. So. No, yeah, it's fine. Okay. It does that.
3: All right. I'm not sure why, but it does. It's good.
2: And, uh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> to rewind a little bit, like, one of my, uh, like, I talk about how, like, I really got into the Beatles my freshman year of uh, high school. Uh, um, I found out that that year, like, uh, that uh, the Beatles landed at JFK on my birthday. Uh, I was born 25 years after the fact. Uh, nice. And it was really cool to uh, learn that. uh, Like, it was a work day for uh, Velveteen Rabbit, and I remember uh, Chris Burton and I were singing uh, different Beatles songs, and
1: Velveteen Rabbit.
3: (laughs) 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 That's not what I think about when I think of Velveteen Rabbit. Donnie Darko? No. No, no. no. it was a play we did (laughs) at high school. Oh, I I, I think about Donnie Darko. My sister was the skin horse.
2: What's that? <laughs> <laughs> was it Crystal or Amber.
3: Crystal. Crystal. Is that like a skin changer? <laughs> <I don't> no. <know. laughs> uh, that was just the name.
0: Yeah. Andrew uh, played Andrew. The skinhead. That's horse.
3: not what we remember. <laughs> <laughs> no names are, will be mentioned just for the sake of propriety? <laughs> <For> yeah. <laughs> Double delightful. <laughs> I have that on tape. You have it on yes. tape? Yeah, my we have the taping of it. We bought the
1: tape,
3: so <laughs> I mean, you guys the... want to revisit that tape. Do you have a tape of the crucible? I don't know. Huh. Maybe. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Sorry,
2: we've <laughs> known each other a long time, yeah, But But uh, well, I like uh, to quote Glenn because he talked about like in the early days of his Beatles class that uh, he would uh, you know, like have people write essays and uh, somebody uh, like started their paper with the Beatles. Now there's a band.
3: <laughs> what can you say?
2: <laughs> but uh, I also like uh, after my uh, final semester in undergrad, uh, I went. I took a class with uh, Professor Gass. Uh, spent three weeks in England, uh, two weeks in London, and a week in Liverpool, and it was amazing. I got to go visit like different you know musical sites. Uh, got to go into John and Paul's childhood homes. Uh, got to go into the ca- re- rebuilt Cavern Club. It was really cool. Mm. Nice. Well,
3: yeah, it must have been awesome.
0: Everybody loves the Beatles. Yeah.
3: Um, anyways, what I was saying earlier, I, I really hope like the, the children of the two Beatles that aren't around anymore join Paul and Ringo you know. on stage. I just think that would be insane.
0: Clapton uh, should be there. I doubt
3: it would happen, but...
0: It's possible. If they do something similar to what they did for George, then Clapton will be there. Who else was at that, that Tom show? Petty. Petty was at Tom Petty's there. Jeff Lynn.
2: Uh, I, I think, uh, well, he's no longer with us, but Robbie Shankar was there, uh, Anujka Shankar. Yeah, he.
0: that's right. Anujka might be there. I mean, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Tomorrow's
3: going be, to be interesting. I, I, I can't know. wait
0: to see uh, what um,
2: Oh Oh, uh, actually, uh, speaking of, like, uh, there's uh, rumblings, uh, like, because uh, uh, Prince been, like, re- restored of uh, Hard Day's Night, but there's rumblings that Criterion might be releasing, uh a Hard Day's Night on um, Blu-ray.
3: Rain? Oh, my God. I love A Hard Day's Night.
0: That movie's great. But it's you, insanely quotable. But I'm just curious, why do you... You take something that was recorded on a not uh, a now obsolete format... And the you're film's gonna, not obsolete. What was it shot in? Like, what was the film quality? I don't what know. What was the standard the fil- of, this, of that the time?
3: film's always better than... Well, not always better than HD, but, I mean... Um, okay so to com- I'm just saying to it's really from- easy to, to get remastered if you got the prints remaster the prints and it's gorgeous film's a gorgeous format it's so, uh, I guess it's akin to like you know like Christopher Nolan won't use digital he only shoots on film gotcha.
2: it's like akin to like you know like when you're ripping a CD to iTunes like you know uh, there's going to be a degrading the quality but like uh, now with like greater storage capacity like you can have like you know r- r- rather ripping it like you know 128 kbps you can rip it like uh, 320, were like, uh like, fl- uh, flack, lo- lossless.
3: Yeah. Granted right, film will eventually probably go out completely, but it's still...
1: Yeah, did, isn't Paramount
3: really yeah. done with it? it? Yeah.
1: Isn't that what I heard? Like, they essentially just sent like, completely digital copies of Wolf of Wall Street to yeah. the theaters, didn't really, didn't really announce it, but yeah. the, that was the only a way to distribute it.
3: And some of the film companies, like, film film companies that actually make the film and mm-hmm. stopped production, oh. so... Which is unfortunate because I mean it. it you can't hardly tell the difference you, if you look at a movie and see that it was shot in, on film or in HD, like with HD, like digital cameras. You won't you can't hardly tell the difference.
1: Yeah. Well,
3: anyways, um, we will. We're at an hour and three minutes. We will leave you with our interview with Vivek from C2E2 from last year. Yeah. Uh, and. That'll be our, our closing. Um, so? Well, uh, quick a, a couple of announcements. Uh, I will be participating in a panel at uh, Indiana Comic Con, March 15th at 5 o'clock. Um, the weekend passes are $45. I forget how much the day passes are. Does Gabe have a different one? Well, <laughs> yeah. Does Gabe have one there? Uh, Gabe's hosting uh, the Speed Dating. At uh at Indiana Comic Con he will be the guy in charge of the speed dating there, mm-hmm. um but it's gonna be uh... unfortunately the panel only had room for two fucking people. Don't ask a them. small table. Yeah, it must, well, must be sure. it must be a small table. <laughs> but uh, it's probably gonna, probably gonna be a size of like you yeah, remember on the pizza thing? the little plastic table. Maybe Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're sharing. Maybe Gabe told him that I was gonna be on it, so they had they're just like man we can normally do three people, but. We're only going to fit two <laughs> <now>. <laughs> We can only fit two now. <laughs> uh, Burn the other chairs. <laughs> but it's going to be uh, me and uh, Warner Swoops from uh, Nerd Management. They're uh, a friend of ours. Um, they uh, do their show at a, a comic shop. Or not a comic shop. Wow. Wow. Go me at Comic Book U. Comic Book University.
0: Wow. This is Indianapolis. I
1: know. <laughs> <Midwest>. <laughs> not... No. I didn't even realize that I thought you were just saying oh, they do it in a comic shop no, <laughs> no I was thinking yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking
3: back to my old comic book store
1: traitor <laughs> you little dog I'm you, not a traitor you got, got all, all these music. comic
0: book stores all <laughs> over the country <laughs> I know right different area,
1: yeah
3: I was going to make a Ludacris <laughs> reference
2: uh, yeah, I, I'm also like Ludacris <laughs> uh, in that I have hoes and different area codes uh, i run a chain of uh, farm supply stores <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways come check us out uh, it's the name of the panel is Indie Podcasters Unite. It's, uh, it's up on Indie Comic Con's website right now and the schedule, so if you need more information, go to IndieComicCon.com.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, well, that concludes another episode. I'm David West.
1: I'm David Gilman. Chance
2: Hubert. I'm Andrew Crowley, and uh, on behalf of the group and ourselves, I hope we pass the audition.
3: <laughs> Bravo. And here's Vivek
4: to look at you or look at the uh, just have a conversation. Okay, but start you start the yeah. start okay. start with the, the pitch to me. Sure. Hello, I'm Vivek Tiwari, and you're watching Kind of Epic Show. And I am the writer-producer of The Fifth Beetle, a forthcoming graphic novel and feature film about Beatles manager Brian Epstein. Uh, and I also run the Tiwari Entertainment Group, where we have been uh, writing and producing theater, film, and television for uh, the better part of the last decade, uh, doing a lot of work on Broadway. And, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, excited to be here and tell you a little bit more about what we do. So, uh, Vivek, your book's coming from Dark Horse, right? That's right, yeah. It's going to be coming out uh, this fall uh, on Dark Horse. We're very excited about it. We've been working on it for about three years, so it's a long time coming. Okay. Um, And why did you choose to write about Brian Epstein in particular? I mean, it's it's a highly debated topic, who's the fifth Beatle, so why did you pick Brian? Yeah, well, you know, I discovered the Brian Epstein story when I was in business school uh, without wanting to date myself too much. It's, you know, coming on 20 years ago. And uh, while I was there, I was dreaming about doing some of the things I'm doing now, working in the entertainment industry. And I thought if I'm going to work in entertainment, I should study some of the great entertainment visionaries. And uh, I thought the Beatles and Brian were the team that wrote and rewrote the rules of the pop music business. So I thought I should learn a little bit about Brian Epstein's life. Uh, and as I, the reason I mentioned the date is that back then there was no Wikipedia, there was no YouTube. There were none of those online resources. Uh, and even today, there is a paltry amount of information readily available about Brian. But back then, there was nothing. Um, so it became this this sort of mystery that I was trying to uncover about this man. I was perplexed as to why you could read about John Lennon's astrologist, and you couldn't find out anything about Brian Epstein. Um and what I uncovered after doing all this research, meeting people who knew him, doing old newspaper searches, was you know initially it was the business blueprint I was looking for. For a young guy who wanted to be in the business, I was fascinated by how he got them a record deal when no one wanted to sign them, how he convinced them to put on suits and, and the haircuts. Uh, All of that stuff was amazingly interesting and rewarding from a business standpoint, but it really was the personal uh, side of his story, the human side, that really moved me. Uh, The the quick of it is that he was gay, Jewish, and from Liverpool, and in the 1960s, those were three significant strikes, you know? Um, It was literally a felony to be gay, um, this might sound strange in modern terms, but Jews just didn't work in the entertainment business. It was not an industry that, that was populated by by Jewish people. Uh, and Liverpool uh, was was there was nothing cultural going on in Liverpool. It was a, it was a port town. Um, so for this gay Jewish man from Liverpool to be you know walking around saying I've, this random band I'm managing is going to be bigger than Elvis, it was kind of absurd. You know, um, he was the ultimate outsider, um, and uh, and so his story just became so inspirational to me. Um, I find it a very inspirational human story. And I've been carrying it around with me for, you know, the better part of the last 20 years. Um... And uh, and so about five years ago, when I decided, you know, I was uh, in between shows, and I said, "What's the next project I want to work on? What's the next story I want to tell?" I realized it was the Brian Epstein story. It was the story of this man who's inspired me for decades. Um, And in terms of the actual title, The Fifth Beatle, you know, certainly other people have uh, have been attributed that title. You know, there there was George Martin, their producer. Billy Preston, there's Billy Preston, there's uh, the original drummer Pete Best, there's Stu Sutcliffe, who actually was a fifth member, you know, the list goes on. Um, But, you know, Paul McCartney very famously said, if anyone was the fifth Beatle, it was Brian. So I'm going to go with that. Um, But I guess I also believe that... Brian really was like a member of the band and this might sound a little poetic but I believe that you know the way that the Beatles were wonderful musicians and they played their instruments and they wrote their songs Brian played the business as his instrument yeah. and and they were a unit you know in the, much the same way the Beatles would never have been the Beatles without those great songs and that great music they would also never have been the Beatles without somebody to push the industry in directions that allowed them to do the things that they were doing Brian you know got the record label to be okay with classical uh, you know uh, orchestra orchestration on their songs, and, you know, they're going to take some time off to study Eastern instruments and, you know, things that would be ridiculous for a boy band to do, which is what they were, you know, at the time. And so so Brian really played the, the, the business like his instrument, but I think he was an, as important a member of the band as any of the other ones. Okay. So even though I, 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 I'm cribbing the term or, or the rights to the term from McCartney, I also sort of think it's, it's actually a valid term. I think he was the fifth member of the band. You know? So uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the book? I know you have a couple different artists working on it, or that worked on it. Yep. Uh, and you have some pretty, pretty neat uh, ways that you went between the artistic styles. Sure, yeah. So uh, so there are two artists that are working on it. Primarily the book is, uh, is painted by Andrew Robinson. Um, Andrew's amazing. He's worked on Starman, Batman, Star Wars, Superman. He's done a lot of comic book work. He, um, he paints in a very painterly style. I can show you some of it if, if uh, you'd like to, to put some on camera. I'd be happy to show you some of the pages. Um, so Andrew does most of the book. And when I first envisioned the book, I, I, I thought about it. In, or when I first started thinking about the story, rather, um, I pictured it in color tones. You know, it starts off in 1961 Liverpool, which is very industrial, gray, dark, depressed, very black and white, if you will. It ends in 1967 London, which is the, the birth of the psychedelic era. It's the summer of love. It's very technicolor, if you will. So thinking about it in, in color uh, in color palette terms is sort of why immediately thought of the graphic novel medium and Andrew is very painterly and can really capture that sort of that sort of palette and that tone in his art it's really beautiful I'll, as i said i'll show you some and, and then let the art speak for itself so that's why Andrew does most of the book uh, however, there is a seven-page sequence uh, when the band goes to the Philippines. Uh, and if you know your Beatles history, what happened is the band went to the Philippines. They uh, inadvertently snubbed Imelda Marcos. Um, she pulled all the security. Uh, literally, they had to, to run from riots, and the, the army was chasing them, and they barely made it out on a plane. It was crazy. And and really, the way I thought of it is, while they were there, everything went cartoony. You know? Like, literally, things went cartoony. So I thought, okay, we should do it, cartoony so that sequence is done by kyle baker um who you may know is just a you know he's a wonderful cartoonist um and uh, and is an old friend of mine and he grew up watching those Beatles cartoons so he was excited about doing it so i can also show you a page of that but it's um it basically captures the uh the sort of very cartoony madcap nature of those Beatles cartoons except in ours brian is the hero so kyle does a seven page sort of cartoon sequence in the book as well and is totally different in style than andrew's work so it's, it's good fun no yeah. Uh, you have some experience in the music industry is that right? I do, I do I've been working for myself for 14 years but before that I worked for record labels I was at Mercury, a division of Polygram for three years, I was running their alternative marketing department and also working in video promotion and before that I was at Sony Music as a field marketing rep in Philadelphia uh, for about two and a half years and uh, before that I had a summer job at Atlantic uh, so yeah, I, I guess I've been working for major record labels way back when right. you know. and, that, and that's kind of why you'll see that that music really is in my blood you know all my projects have some sort of musical focus or musical soul to them so yeah okay last question uh what's your favorite beatle album oh you know part of what i love about the beatles is that all their records are so different you know so i I do kind of think it's a bit of an unfair question but uh if you had to ask me like the desert island Disc question like you know you could only bring one with you it would probably be abbey road Um, but they're all great you know i mean my two favorite Beatles songs, if I had to pick, would be A Little Help from Your uh, from Friends and A Day in the Life, which are the bookends of Sgt. Pepper's. If I had to pick a record, I'd pick Abbey Road. It's like, it's so hard. It's a, it's a tough one, you know. All right, well, thanks so much for talking to us today. Thanks. it's uh, my pleasure. Yep. happy to be here.